Hi, this is Sean Kennedy. I'm the editor-in-chief of the American Journal of Nursing. This is Karen Rausch. I'm the clinical managing editor. And uh, we're both here to present the highlights for the May issue, but first we want to say Happy Happy Nurses Nurses Week! May, uh, as you know, is uh, the month where we celebrate Florence Nightingale's birthday and, and Nurses Week. And um, uh, we had a, a great time recently down at the NSNA meeting, in, uh, which was just in Charlotte and at the end of April. And um, it's gratifying to see the future of nursing is alive and well with this group. And um, we're in good hands, I think. Anyway, getting back to the highlights of our May issue, um, on the cover this month, um, because May is traditionally the month where we highlight critical care uh, nursing and and beef up our critical care content, we have on our cover this month an award-winning, a photo from an award-winning series that was published in October 2005 in the Boston Globe. Uh, it was written by Scott Allen and entitled Critical Care, the Making of an ICU Nurse. And in the photo uh, is Julia Zellickson, a recent graduate at the time, uh, who was taking part in Mass General's eight-month ICU training program. And the article that was written in the Globe follows her progress in this training program. Uh, we, of course, we know it's not the reality today for new graduates to uh, turn up immediately in ICUs as the um, economic downturn has resulted in fewer open positions for new graduates. Uh, many new graduates have had a difficulty finding jobs not only in hospitals but in other uh, institutional settings as well. Um, and at this point, hospitals uh, require experience uh, because they have a, uh, a pick of people looking for jobs. But we hope that will change soon for all you new graduates. And um, there are certainly many other venues where you can find uh, jobs and um, that are not hospital-based, but certainly growing in where the future of nursing and health care uh, is heading. So we, ho- we wish you success. The um, article that we have that's uh, really critical care-oriented is uh, one of the CE articles. It's called Using Functional Hemodynamic Indicators to Guide Fluid Therapy. And this was written by Elizabeth Bridges out at the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, Recently, there's been a shift towards less invasive or non-invasive hemodynamic monitoring methods. And the use of these functional indicators that uh, more accurately predict fluid responsive is in vogue. And what Dr. Bridges does is review the physiological principles of these hemodynamic indicators and describes how they're calculated and when and how nurses can use them to guide fluid resuscitation in critically ill patients. It's a really good comprehensive article uh, about these hemodynamic monitoring methods. And um, if you've been working with them and don't completely understand them, um, read this article. Karen, why don't you talk about the uh, other CEPs, the original research? Okay, our original research this month is an article, Telephone Follow-Up for Patients After Myocardial Revascularization, and it's a systematic review done by a group of nurses in Brazil. We're always happy to get uh, global research that has implications for nurses here in the States as well as globally. So this one um, looks at the myocardial revascularization uh, as an effective treatment for the disease, and it reviews seven studies that is um, 
looks at the effectiveness of telephone follow-up conducted with patients who had undergone this treatment and provides nurses with a synthesis of the overall results of that method. So it's a really good article, especially since um, telephone follow-up for these patients um, is becoming um, something many hospitals are doing to help with uh, transitions of care and reducing readmissions. So it is a very good article. Uh, we also have um, ethical issues, telling patients about staffing le levels, and I'm sure this is something that many people have thought about. Is it ethical for a nurse to talk to a patient and share sensitive information about whether there's short staffing or, or limited staffing, and that's why patients may not be getting uh, as fast response from nurses as they might uh, normally get. And uh, this article explores the ethics uh, around that and when it may be okay and when it may not be okay. So it's an important article in these times, I think. And it, it gives nurses, too, some good um, guidelines on, you know, if in certain situations where you may want to share that information, you know, how to do that. So we also have an article that is about National Nurses Week, that about giving back during National Nurses Week, and it describes how nurses from Salem Hospital decided to forego traditional gifts that, you know, oftentimes hospitals will give out pens or tote bags or, a, you know, pizza parties. and. But they decided that instead of doing that, they would use the, the monies that had been designated for Nurses Week gifts and implement a, a Nurses Give Back program in their community. And it, it's really amazing how they, you know, ran with this idea and how it grew to these very, um, very effective uh, programs in the community. So I think this is a, a great article. And there's a podcast where I talked to the, the nurses who who did the program and and how they went about it and, and the effect that it had on the community and on, on themselves as well. And so this is a great idea for other nurses in other places to, to do. We also have, um, in light of Nurses Week, um, we did do a profile uh, this month, and it's on Donna Teresi, who's one of the American Academy of Nursing uh, named Edge Runners. And uh, we also have um, uh, one of my favorite sections, archives. Um, in my editorial, I, I speak about how um, I had just learned of the death of Mildred Dalton Manning, who was the last survivor of a group of 77 U.S. Army and Navy nurses who were held prisoner in the Philippines during World War II. And um, there were o many, many obituaries in major papers, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Uh, it was all over the Internet about what this um, nurse represented and, and the group of nurses and what they went through. And it was so gratifying to see nurses get such wide recognition for what they did. So we did put... Um, uh, one segment of one page of the archive uh, written by Ann Clark, who was one of the nurses. So it's a firsthand account of what these nurses went through. So we gave you a one page. That's all we could fit in the journal. Um, and then uh, there's a link to the rest of the archive. But it, I would urge you to read it. And also, I think it's a good example of publicizing nurses' work. Um, so if you have people in your organization that are doing incredible things and, and uh, just 
groups of nurses who are you know giving back to the community like the, like the group Karen talked about go to your PR folks and tell them to write a story and get it out in the local paper and make nurses work visible to your community um, nurses week is a great time to do this because uh, people are looking for stories about nursing and nurses so uh, plan early and, and get something out there or write it yourself so uh, we hope you have a good month and uh, would check out AJN we also of course, have uh, editorial uh, viewpoint. Um, the AJN Reports is on the current status of end-of-life care in the U.S., and it's a very good report. Uh, Art of Nursing, uh, the Cochrane Corner, and, of course, Reflections. So we hope you look at AJN either online or in print or on our iPad app. Um, and check out our blog. We're on Facebook, Twitter, um, and now we're on Reddit. So um, check us out. Uh, if you want to contact me or Karen, my email is sean.kennedy at walterskluwer.com. And my email is karen.rausch at walterskluwer.com. You can also find our emails on our homepage, www.ajnonline.com. Thanks very much.